Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Thank you to each of you for choosing Portland Center for Spiritual Living on this gracious, glorious Sunday morning, and to all of our podcast listeners in more than 120 countries throughout the world, we welcome you. So, yes, yes. We are so beyond the brick and mortar of this building. The message of Science of Mind, 120 countries, more than. All right, so we are concluding our Go Back to the Basics of Science of Mind series this week. And over the past three weeks, Reverend Larry has shared a lot of wisdom about the basics of science of mind. So I wanted to do a little mini review before we move into how, how we use this, how we use it. And so Reverend Larry has covered the thing itself, the way it works, and what it does. And one of the things that I noticed in his message is that he sort of left us with a few questions to ponder. So in week one, when he talked about the thing itself, he started out introducing the entire series with, are you ready for a larger life? That was the question, are you ready for a larger life? And hopefully by now we've all said, yes, amen, yes. And then he asked, what's your idea of God? And hopefully we are beyond the man in the sky on the golden throne that um, serves out, dishes out punishment. So week two, the way it works. The big question was, are you a spectator or are you in the game? Now next week is the big football game, the Super Bowl, and we know how everything gears up to be in the game. My question is, are you in the game of life? That's what Reverend Larry asked us. And then in the next week, he gave us homework. And I thought that the homework was very interesting. And I hope everyone did their homework because we're going to talk about it this week. But the homework was look at your life. It is an outpicturing of your thoughts. So look at all the good. I call those triumphs. Those are the way that we're using the law of good in ways that are in alignment with spirit. But then Reverend Larry did something that was very interesting. He said, and, 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 yes, look at those um, not exactly's. So maybe you found some not exactly's as you've done a little bit of preview over your life. And the thing of it is, is the good news that we're moving into this week is those not exactly's can be changed because absolutely we can change our thinking and change our life. So in today's message, how to use it, that's exactly what we're going to look at. We are going to look at proactively changing our thinking. And we're going to focus on our power. Simona beautifully articulated that our power is the power to create. All the power that spirit uses to create the cosmos, that same power resides within us to create that larger life that hopefully we've said yes to. And so we're focusing on our power to use the law of good to embrace a much larger life, and to change our not exactly's. Now, Ernest Holmes did provide us with a little cautionary statement about this power. 
He said, when we are dealing with real life, with thoughts, impulses, emotions, we are dealing with causation, with original cause, and we should be most careful how we deal with such powers and forces. In dealing with this subtle power of mind and spirit, we are dealing with a fluent force. It is forever taking form and forever deserting the form which it has taken. So it is a fluent force. And so in the time that we're sharing together this morning, we're going to explore three aspects of our power to use the law of good. We're going to look at the power of belief. We're going to look at the power of knowing that you know, or the power of conviction, and the power of right action. So let's get started with the power of belief. Many of us are very familiar with a phrase spoken by Jesus, a master teacher. It is done unto you as you believe. So when we interpret its meaning, it's important to pay attention to what comes up after the word as. And when we do, we discover that what he was saying is life not only responds to our belief, it responds according to the manner of our belief as you believe. It is like a mirror reflecting the image of our belief. Now, what Ernest Holmes um, shares, not Ernest Holmes, but in Holmes Institute, they bring together science and spirituality. So it isn't just learning the philosophy. It's also learning the science, that science is proving what Ernest Holmes wrote years and years and years ago. And in this term, one of the classes I'm taking is spirituality and the brain. And the two instructors are two world-renowned neuro, neuroscientific researchers. So it's a neuroscience class. And Dr. Andrew Newberg and Andy Waldman. Now, those names may sound familiar because each month, Science of Mind features a column, Science and Spirituality, that is written by these two gentlemen. Now, in one of the class lectures, Dr. Newberg emphasized the power of belief. He said, belief, it, beliefs affect every part of our life. And every part of our life affects our belief. And in essence, beliefs ultimately decide what we become. Pretty powerful. Beliefs ultimately decide what we become. Now, in this class, we're also learning how beliefs can be formed. And there's really, really good news because all of those not exactly's that we identified in Reverend Larry's homework, well, we can find out that they're not permanent installations in our life because we can change the underlying belief. So here's what I'm learning in science and spirituality. And that is, here's that the neuroscience of how beliefs are formed. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Okay, neurons that fire together, wire together. What does this mean? The more we use a specific neural pathway, the stronger those neural connections become. So repetition, 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 we hear when we say an affirmation, repetition, repetition, the stronger that neural pathway becomes. And in addition, the more we focus 
like through our visualization, through a memory board, on a particular brief, the stronger that neural connection in the brain is. Now, one of the exciting things in a Zoom conference that Mark Waldman shared with our cl with, um, classmates this week was he actually had a slide that had a video on it of a neuron making connection with another neuron. Now, I'd never seen anything like it, but the best I can describe is, think of a, a boiling pot of water. You know how it heats up? There's these little bubbles on the end. It's sort of like you can sort of see that it's getting ready to do something big, right? And then the heat stays on, and all of a sudden, it starts boiling. And the next thing you know, it's just this big pot of boiling water. Well, this neuron looked like, a, like what I would call a... Um, a glob, this membrane sort of thing, and it's and it's sort of like vibrating. It's sort of like sitting there going like this, just sort of vibrating, and it's sort of moving around, and it's moving around, and then all of a sudden, I mean, it was like, there it was on the video, just it, like an arm shot out all around the other neuron. It was just this whole outline. It just like, boom, connected with the other neuron. The thing that was so fascinating is what that looked like was it was like an arm with all of these tendons coming out. Now, not, uh, not only myself, but all of us were sitting there going, wow. You know, that was the wow factor. We thought, boy, this guy really knows what he's talking about. We better pay attention. We better make sure that we're in every single one of these, neuro, um, these Zoom classes. But the thing of it is, is that things that fire, neurons that fire together, wire together. Now there's a second piece of good news and that is use it or lose it. We hear that about our muscles, like if you're really um, building muscle for an athletic event or something, that if you don't use it, you lose it. Well, it's the same. In our brain, the brain loses knowledge and information that we don't hold on to. So, for example, if we stop telling the story that we're not good enough, if we stop telling the story that there's lack and limitation in the world, if we start claiming all the limitation that we've been claiming regarding our health, regarding our relationships, regarding our friendships, regarding whatever it is in life, guess what? Those neural pathways go away. It's called use it or lose it. So I think this is really, really good news. One, in terms we can affirm a new way of being through affirmations and denials, and that's strengthening a whole new neural connection. And we can stop telling those mistruths about ourselves. And guess what? The brain automatically does the work of sweeping up those neural connections, and we don't ever have to worry about them again. We just stop using that thought and quit telling ourselves the mistruths. So I think this is really powerful that it reinforces what Ernest Holmes wrote years and years ago. In dealing with this subtle power of mind and spirit, we are dealing with a fluent force. It is forever taking form and forever deserting the form from which it was taken. Now, there's one final thing about the power of belief that I would like to share, and I think it ties beautifully in with Lori's song. When she's talking about embodying the characteristics of spirit and claiming I am, 
Ernest Holmes says, the perfect belief is the beginning and the end of all good mental work. Well, I think there's one belief that all of us can benefit from embracing, and that is to name and claim that we are a center point in the divine mind, and that we are a point of God-conscious life, truth, and action. How many of us, back in a math class, and I'm going to be dating myself, used a compass? It was, you know, it had this really sharp point on the end, and then it had this little apparatus that you could sort of pull out, and it had a pencil on the other end, and you could decide how big your circle was. You held, you put the point on the paper, and then you drew a circle. Well, think, we are a center point in the mind of God. God is all there is, and we are a center point in it. And guess what? The larger life is letting our pencil go all the way off the paper and letting in that much good and even more. Just keep extending. It's what Lori said. We embody all that is. It already is there. We simply embody it. So when it comes to beliefs, I think there is one belief that it is imperative that we embrace and that is the truth of our being, that we are a center point in the mind of God. And so let's move to our next power, and that is the power of knowing that I know. The power of conviction. Knowing that I know. There are many things I love about science of mind, but one of the things I truly, truly appreciate is that Ernest Holmes does not tell us to believe it because he said it. He does not tell us to believe it because he wrote it. And no one in science of mind says, believe this because it's part of our creed. And if you want to be in the in crowd, if you want to be a part of us, if you want to be in this religion, you must believe this. That is not what science of mind teaches. Science of mind teaches demonstrate. We're enough theorizing. You can read all the books you want. The true power is, can you demonstrate principle? Can you demonstrate it? Well, what does demonstrate mean? Demonstrate in the um, Science of Mind book is through the mental and spiritual activity of thought directed towards a definitive end, we bring about a greater good, a more abundant life, a better condition than existed before. A demonstration. I'll give you an example. I think I've shared before that one of my spiritual practices each morning is that I write a daily intention. And an intention is simply writing out my vision of the good that I want to experience that day. I've written it for getting through traffic when I knew that I had to get all the way from one side of Portland all the way over to Vancouver and be on time and amazing how the universe just handled all that. I've written it for the right resources to appear at the right time. I've written it for divine inspiration. Well, this is a specific intention that I wrote the other day. Many of you know that at the end of October, I lost my dog. And it's, it's really, really tough. And it's been very tough. I've had a very, very heavy heart. So the other morning after my meditation, I went, you know what? I'm going to intend joy. I really want to experience laughter. So what I wrote in my journal was, I give thanks for laughter and joy throughout this day. 
I laugh easily and allow its therapeutic power to revive and rejuvenate my mental and emotional well-being. Now, I am not kidding you. I know more than finish dotting the I's and crossing the T's on that intention. And my phone vibrated, and there was a text from an individual in the uh, Thomas Troward class that we, we had shared about losing a dog. And there was a link to a YouTube video of a talking dog. And it was so funny, I laughed. And even now, as I think of it, it is so funny. But what it was, it was someone had videoed this dog and its gestures, the way it was yawning and kind of paying attention and panting, and written a script. And it is hilarious. And so it was like instantaneous. And so what I'm sharing with you is that intentions is like, you know, we we read in the Bible about the fishermen going out and casting their nets for the catch of the day. Well, an intention is like casting a net for the good that we wish to experience in the world. In this case, I wanted my heart to be lighter. I wanted to experience some joy. I wanted laughter instantaneously was an answer. And so what I'm sharing with you is that when we write an intention, the law of good responds to us in a personal way. Someone else may not have thought that video was funny. I thought it was hysterical. I've played it over and over and over and over again. And every single time I get more joy and I'm sharing it with you. If you want to see it, I have it on my phone. Come and see me. So the most important thing is that we have to know that we know. It's not that someone else told us that it's so. It's that we've proven it for ourselves. In this case, that was a demonstration. I asked for lightheartedness. I asked for laughter. And I got an abundance of it, and I'm sharing it with you. And so your homework, you may have thought that, well, it might be a little early to introduce the at-home activity. I'm inviting each of you to write a daily intention for the next seven days. So in the morning, I mean, now you may want to do some contemplation, you may want to do some meditation, but even if you don't do that, I'm inviting you to get a little notebook and just write out, I give thanks for... So you're already giving thanks for the good that you wish to experience. And then write out what you want. At the end of the day before you go to bed, I'm asking you to write down the demonstrations. And why is this important? Because you begin to trust that the law of good responds to you in a personal way. I happen to like Thomas Troward, whose philosophical writings are the foundation of the science of mind. And we are teaching a class, The Creative Process and the Individual, and here's one of the things that he states. The creative energy of the universal mind may be safely trusted to work through the specializing influence of our own thought. Do you not love that phrase? Specializing influence of our own thought. Have you ever thought you're a specialist? Well, guess what? You get to create whatever it is you desire, and through the specializing influence of your own thought, 
in written form. You cast it out in an intention. And I say, get ready to open up your arms big, wide, and receive. So that's the daily activity or your at-home assignment is to write a daily intention in the morning and then before you go to bed, write down your demonstrations. And just know that you can trust that the law of good responds to you in a personal way. So let's move to the third power, and that's the power of right action. One of the gifts I received at Christmas was a book by Maria Shriver called I've Been Thinking. And many of you know that Maria Shriver is a journalist. She's the former first lady of California, and she's a very accomplished woman. And she shared little snippets. I think they were probably her blog, and they're now in little chapters. So it's just enough of an inspiration to read, you know, after meditation. Well, the one that I was reading, she was sharing about uh, time she spent with her father, who had advanced Alzheimer's at the time. And she said she was busily engaged in trying to get him involved in an activity that he didn't want to do. And all of a sudden, there was this pause. And he said, Maria, you have to go internal if you want to go external. You have to go internal if you want to go external. And she states that in that moment, they both stopped and they knew something profound had happened. There had been a connection. He'd broken through for that brief moment. And they had that moment of sharing. Well, Ernest Holmes puts it this way. The one who wishes scientifically to work out a problem must daily take the time to meditate and to mentally treat the condition, no matter what the apparent contradictions may be. So we must go within. We must go internal if we want to be external. Well, I'm going to share with you a little activity that I'm learning in, in spirituality and the brain. And what neuroscience has found as the fastest way for us to go into contemplation. And you're going to love this. So if you stayed up late or if you didn't get enough sleep last night, you have my permission to yawn. Okay, so this is a yawning activity, and it's a, spe- it's a yawning activity. We just went through it in our Zoom conference, and it really works. And so the thing of it is, is first, you, I'll, I'll demonstrate first. You just kind of breathe in and just allow a big, big yawn. And just allow your heart center to fill, and then go, okay? Now, we're going to do that five times, and I want you to really pay attention to where that yawn is emanating from, how it moves through your body, what does it feel like? We're going to do five. Let's do it together. One, two, three. Again. Breathe in. Sometimes they get longer. (laughs) One more. Okay, now there's one last piece to this. 
I'm going to demonstrate, and then I'm asking Jim for one minute. What we're going to do is we're going to gently put our head down so our chin is like touching our chest, and then ever so slowly, we're going to rotate our head to the right and all the way around. And we're going to take the full minute. Jim is going to give us 15-minute increments. So those of you that are on that neck crasher course, uh, I'm sorry, 15 seconds. Did I say 15 minutes? Yeah. We're going to contemplate here today. Yeah. 15 seconds. What do I know? All right. Are we ready? Jim, can you give us one minute? All right. Begin. Slowly. Rotate to the right. Fifteen. Okay, so we should be about a quarter of the way. Slowly. Slowly. Thirty. So we're halfway. By now, we're by our left shoulder. 45. On the home stretch. Slow. Slow. 60. Center. Okay, another deep yawn. Neuroscience has found this is the fastest way for us to go into deep contemplation. So I am encouraging each of us to take the time to contemplate the good that we wish to receive. Write a daily intention and then pay attention to the demonstrations. So let's take a look at our topic today, power of belief And that is, there's really, really good news. That is, we can change our beliefs because we can stop telling ourselves mistruths and our brain will clean up those neural pathways. And we can start affirming the truth and we will create new neural pathways. We have the power of conviction. And that is, we can write our daily intentions and build our own faith in the process that we are a specializing influence and can create what we want. And then the power of right action, daily contemplation of our desired good. We must go internal if we are going to go external. So let us pray. In this vast infinity of life, one power, one presence, and only one power and one presence. It is infinite intelligence, infinite substance. Its essence is love, and that love is the eternal givingness of itself to itself in the form of its creation. Nothing withheld, all of it freely given. And I am knowing that I am of this infinite intelligence, this infinite substance, this animating force called life. It flows in through and as my life.
And as I know this to be the truth of my life, I know it to be the truth of each person here today. That each is a center point in the universal mind. Each the power to create. And so I claim and affirm and I speak my word for and about each person here. That any doubt, uncertainty, fear flows back into the nothingness from which it came. And in this place, this newfound place, is the light of truth. And that light of truth is that there is this one power, this one presence, that is a silent partner, readily available to bring forth any desired good. That right here, right now, each individual opens their heart and mind and chooses to cast out a net through a written intention of good and more good, allowing themselves to hold up a bigger bowl of acceptance. That right here, right now, the law of good is saying yes. Yes, my beloved. Absolutely. Nothing withheld. And so I am knowing that this larger life is available, that hearts and minds are opening to a larger life. There is a willingness to contemplate the desired good, and there is an ever-increasing trust that the law responds in a personal way. And I am so grateful for this truth, that God is all there is, God is fully present right here, right now, and that God is expressing in, through, and as all creation. And so I am so grateful I release my word into the activity of the law, knowing that the law is that eternal servant of spirit. It always says yes. And so with absolute conviction, that I know that I know it is true, with firmament of mind, together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Open to good and more good. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.